From Ag Expert, it's the FCC Knowledge Podcast, a show that features real Canadian producers, real stories, and real good conversations about the business of farming. I'm your host, Marty Seymour. Nothing is safe at a farm auction will sell animals to the dog, to the house, to the, the tools, to the equipment, to the pies. Today on the show, we're switching things up a bit and talking to an auctioneer. Jordan Clark from Ritchie Brothers Auctioneers is going to fill us in on some of the modern trends in the auction business, as well as provide some insights around buying and selling through the auction to help you consider the impact on your farm management decisions, no matter where you are in your career. We're going to talk a little slower than Jordan's used to, but I promise you there's still a lot of great info to take in. Give me four, four, four and a half, four and a half, and a count and a calf. Give me five, 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 and a bidder to bid and a bidder to buy. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to the FCC Knowledge Podcast, where we talk to regular people about regular things in Canadian agriculture. On the show today, we got with us Jordan Clark. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thanks, Marty. Happy to be here. All right, Jordan. Now you come from maybe a different side of the industry that we haven't had on our show yet, and that's the auctioneer business. So why don't you tell us who you work for and where you live? Yeah, you bet. Um, so yes, uh, Jordan Clark, I work for Ritchie Brothers Auctioneers. Uh, I am based out of Southern Saskatchewan, actually in my hometown of Rollo, Saskatchewan, just 30 minutes southwest of Regina. Uh, my, my official title with the company is I'm a sales director for our Canada Prairies Division. So I cover the areas of Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. Uh, on the agricultural side, and then our, our industrial business in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So kind of the core three provinces, I'd say, in, in Western Canada uh, is my responsibility. Okay. So there's two Canadians that might not be familiar with, Richie Brothers. Um, what do you guys do? So we are, uh, first and foremost, uh, an auction company. That is, that is our history. Uh, we've been around since 1958. Um you know, I know we'll talk a little bit about it down the road, but our evolution over the last couple of years is is branching in a couple of different directions. The Ritchie brothers started as three brothers all the way back in 1958. They have a long history of providing end-to-end services for buying and selling Canadian agriculture equipment. As most of you know, this is the time in the program where I always ask my guests, what's the price of land in your area? I didn't know if that was a fair question for Jordan, so I thought I'd ask him about what's the most expensive or unusual thing he's ever sold. Uh, well, I'll maybe have a little bit of a farm auction approach and an agricultural approach with this one. So as of late, we actually just did a farm auction in Torquay, Saskatchewan at the end of January. And we sold a home quarter. So a yard, uh, buildings, improvements along with the, uh, the quarter it sat on for $1.3 million. I guess when it comes to some equipment, uh, we've sold some pretty high end tractors, uh, and combines and air drills. That would be you know, closer to a million dollars and as to 500,000. Uh, at times we would, we would often sell the pies, uh, after a farm auction. If there's any leftover food or pies from the canteen, we would actually have an auction for that as well. So I would say nothing is safe at a farm auction. We'll sell animals to the dog, to the house, to the, the tools, to the equipment, to the pies. Oh, I love that. That, uh, that paints such a picture for me. I've seen lots of fundraisers. I've, I've been in Brandon before where they're selling dozens of eggs and, Yep. I hadn't considered selling a pie at a farm auction. Um, so that kind of jumps right into, we spent the last two years not really doing farm auctions in person. Am I right on that? Correct. Yep. Uh, we had to make a, a quick shift, uh, the end of March in 2020. Um, 
you know, typically our, our busiest time is March and April, uh, for any one of our years, just in regards to how many farm auctions we would handle in the spring season. Uh, and that March of 2020, we had 68 lined up for, uh, the next five weeks. So obviously when the, the pandemic was, uh, fresh out of the gates, there was lots of uncertainty and obviously safety of everybody was everyone's top priority. But in the back of our mind, we had commitments to, you know, for the most part, 68 uh, retiring farmers that entrusted us with their life's work. And we had to make the decisions to best suit their needs. Obviously, we're trying to keep our staff safe and our customers safe. So we went through about four different contingency plans in, in about uh, 48 hours, and we ended up lining on uh, timed auctions. We're, at that point, somewhat untested in the uh, farm auction market. We had done two up to that point uh, over the course of the two years that we've all became familiar with timed auction in our business. So the transition to take what we would typically would have done from our model to timed auction uh, was a huge undertaking and really only about six days to to make that transition for uh, all these farmers across Western Canada. And our company, I think, had done a, a very good job of, of managing the old tradition of, of an auction company, um, an auction sale. Along with, uh, you know, the integration of technology and, and, you know, evolution of, of the business and how it's changing. Uh, and up until that point, we, we kind of balanced the best of both worlds. And, uh, we worked our way through this transition now with over the last two years. At the end of the day, I, I do honestly think the timed auction method is uh, a fantastic way for someone to sell assets and for someone to buy assets. Like many of us in the ag world, COVID forced us to adapt and Richie Brothers is no different. They pivoted towards an online strategy to help them continue running their auctions without having to meet in person. So they've doubled down on the timed event auction. So what is that? It's basically an online auction with a time limit. For example, an auction might be for sale for a two-week bidding window. During that time, you place your bid online at your convenience. Once the timer runs out, whoever's the highest bidder at that time wins the item. Simple enough, really efficient. You know, I'm reminded of, uh, like, I think about your investment in the timed auction thing as the transition. And it was done under, we'll say, time of crisis where we had to change. But it, it's actually innovative and disruptive, but also speaks to how people say, oh, that'll never work. Um, I was having a conversation last week with somebody who said, I couldn't imagine paying for bottled water. And here we are. And I, I got to ask you, like, when you went to those 68 farms and you said, we can still do this, we're going to do a timed auction. What did those farmers tell you? Oh, there was lots of apprehension for sure. Um, in a majority of them looked at us, you know, to give them the guidance and to, and to grab their hand and, and walk with them and said, you know, you're the experts. If you think this is going to work, um, we'll have to walk with you. And there were some that did not want to go that path. And at the end of the day, they are definitely glad they did. And even up to the, the day of our, or the night before of our first auction it was in Southern Alberta. We had our staff on, on site still trying to work with those customers and console them and show them the information that we had ahead of time of how many registered bidders there were going to be on the sale, uh, have them watch other sales that were happening in different areas where there was time to auction happening just to get their, their comfort around it. Um, but definitely there was lots of anxiety and, and, and stress towards how the system could handle that much um, that much inventory, you know, the timed auction method was not new to us. We just had never sold in an offsite capacity at that, uh, frequency before. And with those assets, you know, typically it was selling in our yards where we'd sell, you know, toolboxes and smaller items and, 
uh, fence panels and multiples of smaller stuff, which actually you're able to sell more items uh, quickly and make it more efficient for buyers. So we've actually never used the model in, in something else, but we knew it would work. So, I mean, I think all of us that are in agriculture went to the neighbor's sellout, uh, you know, liquidation, transition sale, uh, call it what you want, um, for the community side of it. And I get the business side of going timed auction, but what do you, what's your thoughts on that? And maybe, you know, does it, do people still need that community send off or, or a gathering point? I think so. I think some people will. Um, but to be honest with you, what we found early on was there was a lot of people that really appreciated from a seller's aspect of the, the, A, the timed auction approach, but B, also the, the restrictions. Uh, many of these people, as you can imagine, are, are relatively private. And when you go to have a, a farm auction in your own farm, you're totally exposed. You've, you've opened up your entire book of business, uh, your privacy, your time, everything is, is open to everybody. Uh, as soon as we sign that contract and your name goes live, the phone starts ringing. And of course, as, as we get closer towards sale date, there's lots of customers, prospective bidders that are there looking. And on sale dates, you know, it's a very, it was a very chaotic, um, atmosphere. You know, we try to organize it and streamline it the best we can. But at the end of the day, you have anywhere from, you know, 50 to 5,000 people that are in a yard and, um, it's tough to control and tough to, you know, keep it all functioning. So many people weren't comfortable with that. Um, and on the flip side, there was lots of people that more the merrier. They, this was a community send off. They wanted to see friends. They wanted to see family. And of course, um, you know, the community wanted to be there to, to wish them well and support them too. But a lot of times those customers couldn't enjoy the sale or they couldn't enjoy the send off with their friends and family because they were in multiple spots. The, the major benefit to how we transitioned from what we did to now is, uh, a lot of the smaller items, uh, they, they weren't necessarily lauded where they actually had a lot number and were sold online. They were sold to a local crowd. So you were at the mercy of how many people were there. Um, you know, our advertising, the weather, lots of different things, right? So, um, really that's now all those smaller items have been grouped and, and lauded and palletized. They're sold to the, the world just as much as your four wheel drive tractor or your sprayer is. So Ritchie Brothers went from selling at a local market with live auctions to suddenly accessing an international buyer base. It's pretty incredible how selling online can change the scope of an auction so profoundly. There's another potential impact caused by this move to timed auctions as well. It seems many people I talk to can't believe how much prices have gone up at auctions. I was curious to hear Jordan's thoughts on this. I think what I really noticed in this transition was all of a sudden you made the buyer base I'll just say international for simple purposes. So as opposed to, you know, 60 miles where I'm coming to buy the stuff off the rack that's held in a bucket, it's now I can, I can shop that six, 600 miles away. And it got me thinking about like, it doesn't matter where I go. Everyone says, man, I can't believe what it costs now to buy a used air drill at an auction, how the prices have gone up. Do you think the online bidding timed event is part of the, the, you know, farmers are extracting more out of their equipment, driving the inflation of the cost of things in general, or is there something else at play? Um, no, I, I definitely think there's a price increase, uh, you know, at the end of the day there, I think there's some external factors that are helping with the, uh, the increase in pricing, but, um, the accessibility to bid on items, the ease of bidding, um, and tapping into a buyer base outside of your local area or local region or province, 
you know, our, our major factors to it as well. And we, we actually saw that. So, you know, prior to the pandemic, we would have an auction sale with on-site bidders and online bidders. So a combination of the two. As an online bidder, you had to be ready at, let's just say it's 135 when this auger is going to sell to be able to click the bid button. Um, now with the transition to timed auction, you can put your bid in ahead of time. Uh, the system will bid on your behalf up to a max bid. Once the closing of the item starts, if there's, you know, continual bidding happening, you'll get an email, uh, and notified that you've been outbid and you can bid again. So what we saw when we would have typically a thousand to 1500 people registered online at, at a sale before the pandemic, we're now getting 3,500 for 5,000 people registered for a sale online. And that was the biggest shock of why is there more people still online? And then we soon realized that the timed auction process, it opens five days ahead of a sale. So there's more time for customers to bid. They don't need to be on an item at a specific time. And it, it, it brought in more bidders to the equation. And of course, anyone that's involved in the auction business will understand if you have more bidders, that's more competition. And typically more competition means higher prices. And I do love how it, you know, it's a, the introduction of technology into the sector. It's not, to your point, it wasn't a super high risk introduction because we've done this in other industries. Uh, eBay was born off of this sort of philosophy of how people buy. Um, I'm intrigued on your thoughts because I, as a buyer on my side, I get super annoyed when I'm following the timed auction. I'm three days out and I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting to get this thing on sale. And then the last half an hour, this thing triples in value and all of a sudden it sells at market price and I'm like super sad. Um, is everybody experiencing the same thing I am? <laughs> well, it depends. I, you know, no different than the live auction and, and online or timed. Different buyer preferences are there. And there's some that would put a max bid in right at the start. Um, and they kind of just close their eyes and walk away from it. And if they get it for that price, great. If it's less, even better. If it's more, well, on to the next sale. Uh, there's many people that'll just, you know, try and bid each time and bid their lowest increment that they can. And they'll, continue to play the system. But really, if you think about it, if you get two people that put their max bid in an item at the same time, it will immediately jump to obviously the, the highest max bid that it can that was given. So you'll, you'll watch that in certain sales. It'll be items that just take right off for whatever reason. And you wonder why, well, the, you've got two bidders that are, I guess, like and thinking where they both place a max bid. And on the flip side, you'll see some other stuff that'll be you know, when you've got a combine that's at $500 and it should be worth 350000 uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, the day of the closing, it takes right off. Well, people have started to put their attention to it and actually started to bid. So um, we, we have to be somewhat careful with how soon you open the bidding. If you open it too soon, it, it doesn't drive any urgency or, or sense of, um, you know, competitiveness. So you want to give people adequate time, but not overextended to the point where it loses its effectiveness either. As Jordan explains... Timed online auctions have increased the amount of people participating just due to its ease and accessibility. They basically cater to all buyers regardless of their circumstances. So clearly, you still want to create some amount of urgency with the bid. So having an auction open too soon or stay active for too long can impact the attention the auction receives. There's a lot of factors to consider when trying to engage potential buyers online. Richie Brothers have opened up to a broader market in terms of who they'll sell to, so that got me wondering about their goals in terms of what they're selling. You know, you referenced the big land sale in southern Saskatchewan this year. Um, you know, when I thought about or I think about the Ritchie Brothers brand, I think about iron. But do you see us, you know, doing more land long term? Uh, I'm from the livestock industry. You know, we still do live auction there, a little bit of remote bidding. Like, where does this go? You map this out, Jordan. 
it is a high focus of our company to sell real estate. It always has been. We are going to be taking a much uh, stronger approach in that just for the fact that AI honestly think it's the absolute best way to sell real estate. Um, it's the fairest. It's the most transparent. It involves the most bidders. Uh, it removes the seller from having to decide who ends up with the land, whether it's a neighbor or a family member or someone from outside of the area. And, you know, how do you play fair in the sandbox? And of course, a lot of these customers still want to live in the communities that they, they farmed in. So, you know, there's backlash that way. When you put it up to auction, uh, you remove a lot of those barriers. And at the end of the day, if, if someone does want to farm that land, whether they're the neighbor or they're from three provinces away, everyone gets a fair chance. Now, when you look at it, the way that we did the Hanson Farm project at Torquay, we sold all those, all those quarters of land. I think there was 59 parcels of real estate. We sold that by timed auction. So no different than we would sell their tractors and no different than we would sell their, you know, pallets of tools inside the shed. And really the timed auction in my mind works incredibly well for real estate because as you can imagine, the investment into purchasing a quarter of land, and it's not even just the value of the, the purchase, it's the long-term investment of I own that. And, you know, it could be life-changing decisions of how do I farm that? How do I now move in and farm all that land or whatever the, the, the course of the purchase might be? But people need time for that. And typically, if you were, you know, at a live auction sale, we tried our best to give people the adequate information ahead of time so that they were prepared to bid. So in the heat of the moment, they had all the information in front of them and they could bid accordingly and you could move the sale right along. But at the end of the day, it's a high stress area and, and situation. And typically, if people are pressured up, they tend to back off as opposed to taking a step forward. And with timed auction, you can adjust the, uh, the closing periods and the, the time between uh, bid extension. So it does give people more time to kind of sit back and talk about it, relax and bid again and get comfortable with the process. And we saw it at, at Hanson's prior to the, the day of the closing, the real estate was, you know, exceptionally high at that point. And then it, it took off to a whole nother level on the day of the sale and the closing, which I believe we were supposed to be start closing the real estate at 10. It didn't close till uh, almost 2.30. So another four and a half hours of bidding uh, concluded after the, the closing of the real estate to, to finally get to the point where the bidding stopped and, and everything closed. So it's a, it's a really interesting way to do it. And I think it provides a lot of comfort to the buyers. It's interesting. I hadn't thought of it before, but you said some people back off on the pressure. I, I'm that other side of the ledger that's what remembers the in-person sales where I look across and said, Oh, I'm bidding against Jordan Clark. I'll just go one more time. Yeah, and then Jordan bumps me one, and I'm like, ah, that Jordan Clark. I'll just get him one more time. And my competitive side now, when I do this online, I see it's bidder six four seven two, and I'm like, oh, that guy keeps running me up here. <laughs> and uh, so I double down on it. So if anyone wants to know my financial planning strategy, that's as simple as I operate. Yeah, no, we we like you. Uh, your your type at an auction sale. You're you're good for. The I sale. guess you yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> lots of fun. After the break, Jordan walks us through the auction process and provides some insights for producers regarding the benefits of partnering with an auction company. Stick around. We look at this as the highest responsibility that we can, so it's something that we feel privileged to be able to play a part in that process. Um, but we, we need to play a part in that process. And my advice to anybody, whether they're choosing us or someone else, is, is surround yourself with experts. The FCC Knowledge Podcast is brought to you by AgExpert, farm management software designed for Canadian agriculture. Learn more at agexpert.ca. 
So far, we've learned that Ritchie Brothers had to adapt super fast back in March of 2020 when the pandemic hit. The result was doubling down on this time-demand auction piece to allow people to participate from all over the place. You could say the adoption of online auction practices has led to some big wins for Ritchie Brothers and more importantly, for the sellers as well. Even more interesting to me is the selling of real estate online and timed auctions is becoming more widely adopted and it's become incredibly successful. I think Jordan has sold me on the value of timed auctions online. So if I'm a farmer looking to get an auctioneer to help me with some sales, the real question is, where do I start? Where uh, I believe a customer should start is to involve um, someone from an auction business, preferably ours, but someone from an auction business in your operation sooner than later. And not even just from a selling aspect. That That's the, the myth is that a lot of people think when someone is talking to an auctioneer or an auction company, that you want to sell something. If someone is looking to buy or upgrade or add to their fleet, we have access and avenues for the most part for, for all types of equipment. So that that's a lot of times where we actually make our most contact with customers or our first contact with customer is from a buying standpoint. They're looking for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and do we have that coming up in any one of our sales? How can we help them source that? A lot of times we're not even actually selling it through sales. We have online marketplaces where we have equipment that's listed for sale with buy it now prices. So there's a whole another avenue into our company that people don't understand. But typically it's to involve just like any, anybody else into a successful operation. You have partners, whether that's a financial advisor, an accountant, uh, agronomist, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I honestly think uh, an auctioneer, an equipment sourcing company of some type should be one of your partners and have those conversations early. Admittedly, this is actually a new idea for me. For those avid listeners of the podcast, we're always talking about advisors that you want to have involved in your operation. You know, the common ones, accountants, lawyers, transition experts, they're the natural ones that I think about. I don't think the idea of having someone from an auction company included in that list has ever occurred to me. I was curious if Jordan thought an auctioneer should be sitting around the table with other advisors during the annual meetings. You bet. We we actually do it more often than people would, would recognize or understand. And, you know, there's a skill level and a skill set from you know, a lot of different people. And, of course, no different than our business as well. But I, I go back to where when I was a kid with my dad going to see customers about an auction sale and, and just the, the comfort level with that person that uh, can provide, you know, guidance, advice, Sometimes they're mediators, sometimes they're acting as accountants or, you know, real estate agents. And the list goes on and on and on. But have those conversations and have them early and involve us. We, we have, we have weekly and monthly meetings with a lot of customers that are looking to buy, to sell, whether they're trading equipment into certain dealerships and maybe the trades aren't, aren't, aren't accepted at the dealership or they want to go a different direction. So, you know, a, a lot of these customers are dealing with them 20, 30 years before they're actually retiring. And that's, that's the myth is that an auction company deals with people that want to retire and step away from the business. And if that's, that's not the case at all. We need buyers just as much as we need sellers uh, at the end of the day. So how do we actually bring buyers into the mix and you create those relationships, those connections and that framework with, with a customer. So to the point when they, they get that they, they would like to step away from the business or to sell an asset, um, they have a point of contact and a trusted advisor. Okay. So. Great foundational statement. Now, if you're part of my advisory team, we're doing some inventory management, some valuations, et cetera. Now, me and my business partner, were thinking it's uh, exit time. I'm going to actually unwind this farm. Now what? 
have the discussions around timing. Um, that's actually probably been one of the most positive changes I've seen in the business is that people are planning much farther ahead of time or earlier uh, than they had in the past. Um, once again, early on in the business, you get a phone call in January for a customer that wanted to sell in April and they haven't even talked to their accountant yet. Where now we're getting customers that are calling us three years ahead of retirement time. And they want to understand what timing looks like. They want to understand the benefits to sell pre-harvest, post-harvest. Uh, there's tax implications. You know, can we can we split a sale over two different tax years? The the questions are endless. But the the best part about it, and the easiest way for us to give the uh, the strongest advice and provide the best return possible, is just have those conversations early. Does spring matter versus fall? That might be a hard question to answer, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask it anyway. So spring or fall? Well, I would I would say um, I'm really neutral when it comes to that. I think the uh, you know, history would have said that early in the spring is better. You get ahead of, you know, it's a kind of a kick start to the fresh new year. Whatever happened, good or bad, is behind. It's in the rearview mirror and it's a, it's a brand new year. Um, pricing will typically be the, the strongest. I think if you, if you had to back me in a corner and say my absolute, you know, best time to have an auction sale, I'd probably pick, uh, November, December just for the fact that, um, the year is now behind everybody. Uh, it's fresh in their mind of, you know, the crop conditions, what, what they have sitting in the bin. Uh, they're still looking to upgrade before kind of Christmas hits and, and that's a great time to do it. However, we are our busiest in March and April just for the fact that typically if a land sale did happen the previous year, customers then want to get past winter, sell their equipment and the new owners will start farming the land. So there's lots of variables that work into that. Jordan shares some interesting thoughts about planning well in advance of your sale and the timing of when to host an auction. Like any other major business decisions, giving yourself ample time to plan and having a well-thought-out strategy is important when hosting the auction. Going back to our discussion around the increased value of machinery of the auction, there's less brand new pieces of equipment out there, so I would assume that there are more buyers looking for good used equipment. I was curious what Jordan's thoughts were on how this impacted the timing of the auction or the success of the auction itself. A lot of the customers' buying habits have changed strictly just on value and the availability and, of course, how important that tool is for their operation for the upcoming season. So why would I wait to the uh, to the last minute? Now, in saying that, people still do, and we still sell lots of high-priced uh, seating equipment in March and April. However, we, we see a lot of those pieces will actually bring better value in November, December, where people can pay a little bit more to secure that asset to know that they have it for the following season. We saw that with combines as well. Combines are actually, in certain cases, selling better in the spring than they are in the summer, just for the fact that buyers are trying to lock down their equipment uh, sooner rather than later. So it does support your position that having having my auctioneer specialist at the table to give me that type of insight especially if you're a guy like me that's maybe caught in a traditional way of thinking about how farm auctions work, when stuff sells at premium. I, I, I think you're reinforcing your point well. So moving ahead then, so now I've um, met with you, sort of got, which worked on this timing thing of when do we want to do our farm auction? Where's the next piece where your team, you know, maybe adds value to my entire farm sale process? Yeah, so I, I think once a, a prototypical strategy is laid out, then we can all agree on somewhat timeframes and what that looks like. It's actually now you start looking at the the assets, the value. Um, and f- for the most part, customers may have an unclear uh, expectation of what the, their true value is, whether it's it could be a the original purchase price uh, and then on a depreciated you know uh, recovery. 
Uh, it could be on an insurance list of you know what we have it insured for. What is the actual value of the equipment? We can tell you in the current market conditions what we think that equipment is worth. And we now have new tools where a customer can actually do that themselves through an inventory management system and a pricing system as well. So, so you got a valuation step that allows me to be make an informed decision on my on my sale from a tax planning standpoint or timing. And then you've got the idea of now I can make a decision on what type of contract I want to do, whether I want the guarantee or I want to go unreserved. Um, in your experience, what are most farms doing these days on in that space? Because I the guarantee one for me, I like it from a risk management standpoint. I can de-risk the sale and I'm all about that in our industry. But what do you see most people do? So there's been a general shift, um, I would say, since I've been with with Ritchie Brothers, um, that as the value of the equipment increased, then the um, the desirability of a guaranteed contract option has increased as well. Now, just as a point of clarity, everything that we sell at one of our live auctions or timed auctions is unreserved, whether it's there's a, a straight commission contract in place or a guarantee. So that that doesn't change how the customer buys and, and if they're successful or not. But to your point, from a risk management uh, standpoint, the, the customers have comfort in that. And there's customers that it's amazing that we could sign a deal with them, uh, a, a guarantee prior to the sale. And once sale day actually happens, they've actually forgot about what their, their guaranteed number is or what the value is. It is they just were happy that they had that security blanket. You know, and, and I, I give credit to, you know, our farmers in Western Canada. Of course, we our family farm as well. Every time you have a crop here, there is risk involved. So I would say our, our farmers are as risk adverse as anyone. Um, the standard line that I would use with a lot of customers is that you've been risking things for however long you've been farming. Why would you risk your last crop? And essentially, that's that's the auction sale in my mind. Just in case anyone listening needs a little bit more clarification, an auction guarantee is an agreement between you and the auction house where there's a guarantee that you'll receive a minimum price for all of your assets, regardless of what they sell for. This is different than a reserve price where there's a minimum bid on a particular asset with no guarantee that you're going to sell that item unless someone offers to pay that amount. This helps de-risk the sale for the seller and I imagine also is a huge motivator for the auction company to try and sell your item for well above the guarantee. Okay, so now you and I have a contract that we've set up, we've agreed how we're going to manage the risk and the commissions and all that's attached to it. Sale day happens, everything gets sold. What do I need to know now? There's lots of emotions, um, you know, we, hopefully lots of family, lots of friends around, but now those assets that are purchased need to go to new buyers. So there's anywhere from a one week to a month, sometimes a little bit more process of trying to get those assets out of your yard. Uh, customers are picking them up. I would say a solid 30-day post-sale um, process of payment collections, lots of communication between Ritchie Brothers and, and the selling customer to make sure that everything's moving out of the yard the way it should. We will transfer the proceeds uh, of, of the auction sale to the customer. And... Um, our relationship at that point, you know, obviously we want to continue, but from a business standpoint, it's, uh, it is somewhat limited and things change. So in a perfect world, that would wrap up the process. Okay. So now the checks in my account and it was a nice time, Jordan, and uh, we're good if there's no other problems. Am I got this right? Correct. Okay. Well, that you make it sound easy. Um, okay. So, so thanks for framing that out for us because I think that kind of maps it out for people that maybe don't necessarily understand the steps and, may, and the value of having your, uh, you know, your peer group at the table, you know, helping people through this so they don't have to do it on their own. And I love your analogy of it's your final crop, your last crop, why risk it? I think that's, that just speaks to planning and how farms 
today should consider to operate is having a plan and a strategy. We look at this as the highest responsibility that we can, so it's something that we feel privileged to be able to play a part in that process. Um, but we, we need to play a part in that process. And my advice to anybody, whether they're choosing us or someone else, is, is surround yourself with experts. Jordan did a really good job of walking us through the process of working with an auction company on the sale. He makes a really compelling argument for including the auction company or that expert alongside you and your other farm advisors. Clearly, they offer a lot of expertise. It can help you get a lot of value out of your buying and selling strategy. Now that Jordan has sold me on the value of working with the auction industry, I'm curious to hear his thoughts on what our industry looks like 10 and 20 years out from now. I'd love to see it relatively unchanged um, because I, I really do enjoy the business. What I love about this business, Marty, is the fact that in my mind, I think we have the best customers in the world. And that's one thing I don't want to change. Uh, I'm from a small town in Western Canada. Uh, I see my customers at the rink. I see them up and down the roads. I see them at the grocery store, at, at community events. That's truly what I love about this business. Um, and that I get to represent and our team gets to represent and, and bring the tools from a, a world class company, but still get to do it in a, in an approach that, you know, we were raised from that where we know and we love and that I do not want to change. Yeah, you know, I share your values on that too, Jordan. And I, you know, as much as we look at tech adoption and the transition in how we do auctions in the last couple of years, it's still anchored in its people. And I, I think that won't be lost in 20 years. All right, Jordan, we're kind of nearing the end of our, our chat. And I have a couple series of questions I love to ask people. And so if you went back to your 20 year old self or, you know, the best advice you've ever received, what is it? Well, uh, I've been blessed actually in my life to have some very strong mentors, uh, both within the auction business and just in life, whether it be sports or, or personal. But I will maybe go back to one of the best quotes uh, and, and bits that I heard from uh, Dave Ritchie, which was treat your customers like your friends and you'll have a customer for life. And I just think that's fantastic advice to you, whether it's in business, um, you know, in sports or your own personal life, that the, the friendships we have at the end of the day is really all we have. Yeah, I think we could all live by that mantra. That's that's great advice. Thanks for sharing. I kind of have an unusual question that I'm going to ask you. So are you an auctioneer? Are you a trained auctioneer? I am, yep. Yeah, I was pretty sure you were. So I know that some of our listeners would like to know what is the um, – so there's different ways to learn to auctioneer, as I would understand it. But I I understand there's rhymes or uh, tongue – like exercises you do. Uh, yes. Yeah. A lot of times they'd give us, I would, you would call them somewhat nursery rhymes, um, you know, different ways to challenge your tongue. And of course there's different, uh, different skill sets where people can roll letters better than others. Some are stronger on filler words or, uh, or certain, you know, points in the alphabet than others. So they give you multiple ones to kind of try. And of course you can start to gravitate towards what works for you. And then it just obviously helps speed up the tongue and the voice. Okay. So take us back to what was your favorite Rhyme or the one you run through your head driving to the auction when you had to kind of warm up? One of our, our past auctioneers, Jason LeBlanc, uh, he actually, he did a version that was, I think, as, as long but as solid as anybody could. But it was a, a rhyme built along a lot of bees. And you'll, you'll find that lots with certain auctioneers that they'll go bomb and a bomb, bomb, bomb and a bomb, bomb. And they just have like a, a strong beat, beat, beat. And of course, Betty bought a bit of butter. That one kind of always worked well with me. And it was relatively easy to remember and, and, uh, kind of just suited my voice and my, my style. Okay. So if you're on the tractor, listen to us right now. It's a Betty bought a bit of butter. 
Yeah, Betty Butter, Betty Butter. All right, Jordan, great chatting with you today. I think I learned a lot of stuff here I didn't appreciate about your side of the business. And I think we should give you the last word with your rhyme for anybody listening. So yeah, it's uh, there's a there's a whole sequence, but it's Betty bought a bit of butter and a bit of butter. Betty bought was bitter, so Betty bought a bit more butter to make a bitter butter better. Betty bought a bit of butter and a bit of butter. Betty bought was bitter, so Betty bought a bit more butter to make her better butter better. Oh, I love it. It's amazing how many people have different chants and what their filler words are, but at the end of the day, the you know you get the job done. Thanks so much. Perfect. No, thank you. Well, that ends today's conversation with Jordan Clark from Ritchie Brothers. I don't know about you, but I honestly learned a lot of things that I hadn't considered before. So what are some of the things or my key takeaways? All right, number one, using the online sales method to help broaden your customer base may ultimately increase the value of the sale. It goes without saying that the internet's opened up our ability to buy and sell across all borders. Jordan found that when they focused on their online auction, they gained access to a wider audience and increased the auction engagement in general. It's also coupled with the fact that online timed auction allows many people to participate who couldn't attend in person. The barriers that prevented people from attending a live auction were essentially removed. If there's one thing that's true, it's that the incorporation of internet-based practices are here to stay. They have a lot of benefits if utilized correctly. Number two, including someone from an auction company or farm advisor group is something worth considering. It's not just from a selling perspective, but also as a buyer of real estate or cattle or equipment. An auction company is well-equipped to understand the value of selling your assets and can also provide meaningful leads for things you want to buy. Having some good leads on used assets can really speed up the process of acquiring things like needed equipment replacements or upgrades. An auction company also provides a very specific range of expertise. As Jordan suggests, beyond being an auctioneer, they have to be good communicators and sometimes even mediators in the process. Number three, auctions require a lot of careful planning and timing. This probably seems like an obvious point, but an effective auction can be a key part of your successful navigation of important business transitions. Jordan describes how an auctioneer can help you when it comes time to offload your assets prior to retirement. You know, everybody knows on this show, we talk a lot about planning and thinking ahead. It's critical to a successful transition plan. I think it goes without saying that you can never be too prepared when it comes to business transition and expansion. Well, that about wraps it up, folks. I want to thank Jordan Clark from Ritchie Brothers for coming on the show today and walking us through the auction process. I'm sure you all have a lot to chew on after listening to him speak. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, dream, grow, thrive. This podcast has been brought to you by AgExpert, a farm management software designed for Canadian agriculture. Learn more at agexpert.ca. The FCC Knowledge Podcast is a Farm Credit Canada production 